back to another episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. My name is James Monlins. We've got a great episode for you. Today, we welcome back Dr. Eric Tomlinson and Dr. Lisa Hong, this time to discuss The Magical Daughter from Archetypal Symbols and Fairy Tales by Marie-Louise von Franz. It's a great discussion. We can't wait for you to hear it. If you enjoy the IFC's Individuation Podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. So without any further ado, Dr. Samurai, take it away. Welcome back to another episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. I'm Dr. Lahab El Samurai. With me today is the usual crew. Dr. Eric Tomlinson is with us and uh, Dr. Lisa Hong is with us. And we are on uh, different uh, states this, uh, this afternoon so, or this morning. Um, Dr. Lisa is in Los Angeles. Dr. Eric is in Florida and I am in Seattle. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get into our story. Um, this is the Archetypal Symbols and Fairy Tales by Mary Louise von Franz. And we are um, on the chapter of the Magical Daughter. This has been a long journey with us. Uh, we are happy that you have stayed this long with us. We're going to start with uh, the story of the girl who was faster than horses. So um, Dr. Eric is going to read the story to us. Uh, We were having uh, Dr. Lisa read the story to us, but Dr. Lisa, um, we're having some technical difficulties. So Dr. Eric is going to read the story. Um, Dr. Eric, why don't you read the story for us? I'd be happy to. It's a beautiful story. A lively description of the nature of the anima is the girl who was faster than horses. There once was a girl who was of no father begotten and of given birth by no mother born. She was not formed by any parent, but by Velen or Slavic nymphs from snow taken from the bottom gorge at the time of the summer solstice. The wind had revived the girl with its breath. She was breastfed by the dew. The mountains clothed her with their falling leaves and the fields adorned her with their flowers and garlands. She was white as snow, more red than a rose, brighter than the sun. In short, Such a girl had never been born to the world before, and no one like her will ever grace the world in the future. She issued a call throughout the whole world that she was organizing a race on such and such a day in such and such a place. Whatever young men on or young man on horseback could outrace her, she would make him her own. When the day of the race arrived, Young men from the world over converged by the thousands on their horses. It was going to be very difficult to decide which one of them was the best. The girl stood on the starting line on both and on both sides stood all the suitors high on horseback, all lined up. The maiden was alone on foot without a horse. She said unto them, at the, go- at the goal, I have placed a golden apple. Whoever first arrives there and takes the apple, I'll belong to him. 
But if I get there first and grab that apple before any of you, then you shall know that you will never leave the place alive. Therefore, think and before, think well before you decide to start. The riders looked at each other and each entertained the hope that they would succeed in reaching the apple first and to have the girl for their own. They said to each other, one thing we know for sure is she's running on foot and will never be able to overtake us. So that surely one of us will get the apple first and none of us will die from someone on foot and she will surely not pass by. But from our midst, one of us will get the apple, get to the apple first. May God and luck be favorably disposed today. Now, when the young girl clapped her hands to signal the start, all rushed full gallop, leaning forward in the saddle. In the middle of the way, by God, the girl seemed to grow weary and began to slow down. Suddenly, a little pair of wings appeared at her armpits to help her go faster, and she began to take the lead. The riders urged their steeds onward. Spurs were set. Whips whistled constantly in the air above the horse heads, and indeed they began to overtake the girl. When she saw this, she pulled her hair out from her head and threw it behind her. In no time, a terrible mountain range sprang up. The suitors on horseback were at a loss to know what to do. Should they ride to the left or to the right? But that did not prevent them from furiously riding onwards. Again, the girl took the lead, but the riders spurred their horses forward and caught up to her. When the girl noticed that the mountains did not do the trick, she let a tear fall and out poured an immense river. The riders flung themselves and almost all foundered and found their deaths. Only one rider, the emperor's son, made it across wild, the wild currents and relentlessly pursued the girl. But when he saw that the girl was gaining ground on him, he implored her three times in the name of God to stand still. Suddenly she remained standing right in the place where she was, just as if spellbound. Then he overtook her, lifted her up, placed her behind him on his horse. Together they swam onwards to dry land and continued through the high mountains homewards. When they arrived at the highest crest of the mountain range, the prince looked behind him, but the girl was nowhere to be seen. She had disappeared. Quite a picture. Yes. What a dame. <laughs> I, can you hear Lahab? I can't hear Lahab. Sorry, guys. Uh, I had it on mute. I was listening to you guys. So the story today is about the magical. It's about, um, it's about the archetypal. It's about how the archetypal energy creates um, and how it creates the idea or the form of a being. <clears throat> so 
we have been talking about archetypal structures and how the archetypes work. And the story of the archetype itself is a shapeshifter, but we could see that right away. It shifts from one form to another form. Although it takes the form of a beautiful woman, it is actually uh, an energy because at one, at one point she takes, um, she pulls her hair from her head and she throws it behind her and mountains appear to block the riders. Um, at another point, a tear drops from her eye and a river is formed where all the riders end up almost drowning as they're chasing her. The story uh, is about the magical and how the magical gives us meaning in the world. The nymph, or um, but by violin, violin uh, is a Slavic term, it's a version of a nymph. Um, von Franz says they live in the meadows, ponds, oceans, trees, and clouds. They can appear as swans, horses, wolves, or beautiful women. In South Slavic mythology, the Vila are believed to be female fairy-like spirits who live in the wilderness and sometimes in the clouds. So in our journey through von Franz's fairy tales, um, we have gone from um, different regions of the world. And what we see is the similar themes that arise in this story of how the archetypal energies consolidate themselves and how they move as a form in the world. When we know that archetypal energy um, sways us, moves us, directs us, um, um, writes for us. But um, this is a great visual of how it creates form. Yeah. Because usually that's always missing is like, how does it create form? It creates form through the illusion of a form of a woman, of a swan, of a wolf, uh, of a river. I also like the idea of creating a form where, again, the anima is setting a tone, is a tonal structure, tonal energy, and it's being manifested. And it, and it creates from this tone to an action or a step in a direction. Um, it, it, it's another type of transformational energy. I, I, I love that. That's, the, that's exactly um, what is happening is that the, the form that it takes, the, um, the form that is running away, that needs to be chased, that needs to be caught, um, that's elusive, that uh, changes shapes, is a shapeshifter, that it, um, in a lot of ways, this archetypal energy um, gives us a spirit of connection to the elements. It connects us to the spirit of living. It connects us to the spirit of the wild. It connects us to the spirit of uh, the libidinal energy, the, the need for love and connection and um, 
at the same time, it's a projection onto what Lisa is talking about, which is the form of the anima um, and how that form is perceived and how that form is uh, looked at as something that we want to dominate or control that but that is out of reach <laughs> so there's two that's aspects all, here Go that's ahead. all very well said that, that was beautifully said all of that so I, i'm just struck at the power of the anima um especially growing up male in <clears throat> you know, in this world, um, and in an, and in a, uh, society that has long, uh, emphasized males to be only male, um, to see the power of the anima, I've always seen it in, in the form of females and in nature, like a beautiful swan, like you've already mentioned, but then when you see it in yourself and you tap into it as a male, it allows you to connect with all of the things that you and Lisa just mentioned. Um, the connecting with other people, connecting with nature, connecting with life in general, a connection that heretofore as a male growing up in the deep south you could only touch from afar you weren't allowed to to live in that and that really struck me and and it made sense out of a lot of my past experiences and my and now my present experiences which thankfully include some anima energy if that makes sense well, it does. I think what you're saying is that to, to be able to be a part of, to experience it, to be connected to it, and because of the way the patriarchy or the society works and how it's, um, how it's divided us into separate elements that um, the spiritual or the sacred is um, not sacred anymore. It's profane. Yeah. Um, and therefore, it needs to be possessed, controlled, dominated, instead of um, seen, heard, listened to, inspired by. Yes. <clears throat> so that that part of the sacred has been lost in the connection between um, the feminine and the masculine, between the um the masculine and its internal feminine and between the um, feminine and its internal masculine because the internal masculine has been um, interpreted as dominating, destructive, hurtful. Um, so I think these are deep losses in society that we carry with us that cause us great harm and cause us to lash out at each other because that spirit, that, that sense of connection with the sacred is lost. Once we lose that sense of the sacred, that sense of um, 
love and appreciation for that which is not us, which is not the same as us, which doesn't look the same as us, which doesn't have our same skin tone or the same hairstyle or the same um, eye color or the same height or weight. We lose that idea and we become obsessed by the idea that the form is the idea and the form is not the idea. Mm -hmm. the form yeah, of the anima like, is not the idea it's not because she's tall or she's voluptuous or she has long legs or she has long hair or she's moving her head about that is not the idea it is that spirit go ahead lisa you were saying yes when that when there's that disconnect of uh, accepting those parts, it becomes foreign to us and we become afraid. We don't know ourselves anymore, we lose ourselves. And then we start chasing this other form that's not a complete image of what we are. Uh, and there becomes rejection. We start to reject ourselves in other in, in subtle ways that it shows up. And, and this is yeah. where this is where we regress into mm -hmm. um, into holding on to the idea that um, there's a particular form that people have to take. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, mm -hmm. um, they're not the right people. Mm -hmm. or... Yeah, like, like a Stepford wife. Yes. Like, uh, they're just attaining this form and they're denying the other aspects of ambition or maybe having a dynamic range or having a different, um, a genuine, unique, and um, a different idea from a form that they're, uh, they're trying to force themselves into. And then what happens is there's this discontent and it spreads across themselves and their children and the and what it is that they're doing and this ideas of satisfaction and joy and struggle yeah so i think what um i think the way that we start to view the world is that of dissatisfaction to pick up from lisa that we start to be dissatisfied with our interactions in the world because we can't dominate it or control it. No, one of the biggest problems right now in the world is the domination and the control of the planet, which is causing great havoc, on, not on the planet, but on ourselves, on the environment that we need to survive in, that we need to live in. The planet can live in any environment. It will, it will get through. But it's that what we are killing ourselves trying to do. We want things to, um, we want to use the planet to exploit all its resources in every which way possible without thinking or reflecting on the ramifications of what we're doing. We've lost the natural, we've lost the sacred, we've lost the space where we can commune with the planet be one with the planet, be one with the feminine, because the feminine is the ultimate spirit of the planet. It's the, it's the ultimate spirit of Gaia. It's the ultimate spirit of <clears throat> being reborn. 
not understanding and not respecting, not seeing how the feminine is sacred is very destructive um, to um, all the species on this planet. It's very destructive. Um, when yeah, because it's our heartfelt connection to life. It, 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 I mean, that's what it, that's how it feels to me. It, it, it connects me to the heart and, and life uh, of life and to see life in things where I didn't see life before. So I, I agree with you hundred percent. Lisa. Can we loop back to the story. Um, so yeah. the anima here, she's like a muse, like inspiring this great divine chase, this hunt, the ultimate hunt for the ultimate prize. Um, and they all suffer and fail because they don't know their limits or don't know when to be humble, perhaps, mm. until the prince does and or the son. There's one particular person where he calls upon the gods to help and stop knowing that he would, he will fail. Uh, it seems when he, only when he realizes his limitations does, does the game actually, the hunt actually relents. And then, then there is no loss for him, it appears at the end of the story. But so, the inspiration creates a fervor. Only one writer, the Emperor's son, Lisa, this is where you mm -hmm. were talking about, made it across the wild currents and relentlessly pursued the girl. But when she saw the girl, when he saw the girl and was gaining ground on her, he implored her three times in the name of God to stand still. So on the one hand, he recognizes that she is not of this earth and that he needs divine intervention. On the other hand, he seems to think he has prevailed. Suddenly, she remains standing right in the place where she was just as if spellbound. Then he overtook her, lifted her up and placed her behind him on his horse. Together they swam onwards to dry land and continued through the high mountains homewards. When they arrived at the high ice crest of the mountain range, the prince looked behind him, but the girl was nowhere to be seen. She had disappeared. She hadn't disappeared. She's part of everything yeah. that he went through. Mm -hmm. But he felt that she had disappeared mm -hmm. because he lost the perspective that she was in a different form. She came from a different reality. She is of the archetypal world. She is not of the physical world. Although the archetypal world moves the physical world, there's always this thought that we can control that which we cannot see, that which we cannot touch, that which we cannot smell. But the laws of the spirit world, as we've talked about over and over again, 
do not apply to this reality. They apply to the spirit world. What is in the spirit world cannot be brought back to this reality. Right? So we've talked about this before where uh, if there's treasure to plunder, you can't take the treasure. You could take the idea, but you can't take it. If there is um, if there's great riches or great things on the other side, you cannot take them with you back into this reality. This reality remains a different reality, a different world. So the realities of these worlds are very different, yet the intersection of these worlds creates meaning and makes us understand what it is that we should be doing or what we shouldn't be doing. You know, as a sub, as a secondary point to what you just talked about, I, I like the idea that he called on the gods and she stayed in, and she, it, it helped her to stay in place. It caused her to stay in place. And as great as any energy is, in this case, we're talking about the anima energy. You can't just let it overwhelm. You can't give into it to the point where it just completely takes you over and overwhelms you. It still has a place of energy still has a place of containment to do its best work still has to be contained somewhat in order to accomplish its energy energetic work and i and i think that's a big difference between containment and control and i like the fact that at least for a brief moment in the story it showed that the anima can still have a place of containment without stopping its its effect and its flow and it's yeah perfect. so he so he asked the he asked the spirit gods to to hold to contain the spirit so what he's doing is asking the spirit gods to contain the spirit hold the spirit yeah. for me and yeah. he would he would he implored them three times to hold the spirit for him and so the spirit form held and he was able to contact it. But then, as always, he tried to carry it out of the spirit world. Yeah, <laughs> he tried to control he, it. Yeah, he tried <laughs> to leave with it. He tried, he put it on the back of the horse and they rode through. And suddenly when he thought, you know, I have it, it was gone. Yeah. So, so what, is, what is given in the spirit world is not the material. This is, this is the issue. It's not a material that's given. It's not a treasure. It's not a book. It's not what it is, is it's the story that is given. That is the treasure. The treasure is the story. And understanding the story, you understand the treasure. And that's what we've been trying to do with all of you during this podcast is to help you figure out 
how to find the treasure. The treasure is the story. It is the journey, but it's not the journey itself because that's an illusion. It's the story of the journey. And it's only an illusion because you can't recall all the different aspects of the journey, but you can recall the story. The story has a framework. The story is what is the treasure that you could return with. And I think we've talked about this before, but this is what you could return with. Like sometimes it's an idea. Sometimes it's a thought. Sometimes it's a solution to a problem. And sometimes it's just a story. And within all of those lays the treasure hidden behind the dream, the fantasy, the hallucination. That's where the treasure lies. Because if we know the story, then we can complete the journey. But if we don't understand the story, we never complete the journey. The journey is always pitfalls. We always end up getting stuck. We always end up getting hurt. We always end up losing our way without knowing its purpose. This is part of the story. So the gods, the spirit or the spirit world the other world. So it's not just one world, there's many worlds. There's many different realities. You wake up in the forest, in the dream. You find yourself in an old cabin. You find yourself on a stream. You find yourself fishing. You find yourself with old friends. Yesterday I dreamt of old friends I haven't seen. You find yourself with new friends that I just saw. And they're each telling you a story. It's not, the treasure is not what they're telling you, it's the story. So this is what's complicated. What's complicated is the simplicity. So when you tell a child a story, the child reacts by going, wow they get the story. We have forgotten how to get the story. We want to get something out of the story. <laughs> but there's nothing to get out of the story. It is the story that's the treasure. Explain this to me, um, Dr. Lahab, because when I'm thinking of the treasure, I don't know if I'm talking about the same thing or not that you just did. But when I think about the treasure of the story, I keep thinking that it keeps popping up into my mind that the treasure is the energy and our connection to the energy. So how does that relate, if it does at all, to what 
you were just talking about the story being the treasure. Well, that's one aspect of it, right? There are different aspects of the story. The story is sacred. The story gives us hope. The story is inspirational. The story is not to be raped and pillaged. When we think of treasure, when we think of getting something, finding something valuable, we think of gold. We think of um, jewels. great chest jewels. We yeah. think of coins. We think of things. We think of material things that we could use to build castles. And, but that's not the treasure. The treasure is in that there is a part of your existence that's enriching you with information and knowledge through story. If you can't get the story, you're not gonna be able to get the information and knowledge. To get the story, you can't plunder the story. You can't use the story as a rationalization for plundering a rationalization for purging or taking away from others. The story in itself is sacred. So when he cries out, the emperor's son, he cries out, he says, God, I, he implored her three times in the name of God to stand still, stand still, stand still. Okay. So you got what you wanted. She stood still. Okay, now what do you take from that? Oh, no, I'm going to take her. <laughs> Thus, I lose the story. If you recognized and figured out that she is the spirit of a God. You got the story. But then you tried to possess it. And then you lost the story. Because what will happen is you're going to go back and start the emperor's sons like I had her. I don't know how I lost her. And that will be his story for the rest of his life. I had her and I don't know how I lost her. Instead of having that experience with her. He wanted to possess and control. And therefore by wanting to possess and control, you are possessed and controlled by the idea. And therefore, you don't understand the story. And therefore, you don't get the treasure. You just get the pain. Are you with me, Eric? Yeah, so this, I, I am. So, which leads to this question. So the imagery of the story um, is driven by, is fueled by, not driven, is fueled by the energy. When I was looking at the energy, I was just seeing the functional fuel, and I was not looking at all of the imagery in the story. So, so is would that be, would that be correct to say? Yeah, so what you were, what you were looking at is 
the functional energy, which which means that you lost you've yeah. lost the story. Yes, by being by being possessed by the idea of breaking down the story. That's how we lose the story. That's how we lose the yeah. story. The story is the story is meant to enlighten. It's not meant to um, break down and put into boxes. <laughs> that was my left brain operating, wasn't it? So part of it is the feeling, experiential yeah. feeling of the story, Lisa. It's the feeling of freedom, riding on a horse, running after something that you can't see. You kind of think it's there, but it's really, what is it? I don't understand. Well, there, there are hills in front of me. There are rivers. What? I jumped into the river. I don't, where are you going? I. But it's the story of humanity. It's the story that we all tell. It's the story. Think about it. This is the story we tell every single day. I went for this job. I couldn't get it. So I contacted a friend. He gave me an in. And that's the story. It's not getting the job. It's the story. It's the journey. It's the story of the journey. And, but it's not the journey itself. And that's what we lose. And when we lose meaning from that, when we lose the story, we lose the sacred. And that's what this, this is what von Franz has been trying to say throughout this book. We lose the sacred because we try to control the sacred. We try to put a monetary value on the sacred. We try to uh, build it like a house, build it like a church, build it like a mosque, build it like a grand mosque, build it like a grand church, a grand temple, build it like a, the tallest building in the world. What are we mimicking? We're basically mimicking nature. We want to create, oh, you could create a mountain? So can I. I'm going to build from your rocks I'm going to take from your steel, I'm going to take from your concrete, and I'm going to build me a mountain. But you've missed the point. You missed the point. The point is, is that you cannot do without me. I am essential to your story, you dumbass. <laughs> I am the essential piece. I am the spirit. Without me, there is no meaning. There is no flavor. There is no taste. There is no smell. There is no journey. I am the beginning. I am the end. That's the energy. That's the story. Mm -hmm. Once we realize that I am the beginning, I am the end, then we don't have to keep chasing our tails. Makes so much sense. I had a friend, uh, we were talking about um, a remodeled design and I said, well, let's draw it. He goes, well, you know what? If we draw it now, it's just redundant. <laughs> it's like, we've already, we've already experienced it. We've already discovered it. We've always had the inspiration. Now it's just redundant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really it loses, funny. it loses that meaning. <laughs> it loses that yeah. sense of, 
of the inspiration. It loses that. Mm -hmm. It loses that that it touched us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it touched mm -hmm. us. It's like, oh, you know, I, I want that again. <laughs> I want it now. I want yeah. it again. Yeah. I want it like a hundred <laughs> times. <laughs> I don't want to let go of it. Mm -hmm. I don't care what happens. I want to hold on to it. <laughs> Let's stay with it. Mm -hmm. Don't give up on it. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the 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 more you try to wrap your hands around the water, the more the water slips <laughs> between your fingers. Mm. That's the story of the universe. Yeah, but mm. it's so addicting to try to control it. <laughs> and get your hands on it yes because we 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 falsely believe that this is the material form yeah mm -hmm. we falsely believe that this is the way things are done the universe doesn't work that way the universe creates it doesn't it doesn't have scarcity it creates there's an abundance in the universe we create yes, scarcity no, because we're trying to control. Finite. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. We we create scarcity. We are the ones who interrupt the supply chain. It's us. There is no supply chain. It's us. So it's like ridiculous things I'm reading. Well, you know, the supply chain has been disrupted. Oh, they found a new term to describe <laughs> their idiocy. That's exactly. Are right. we going to have a Christmas? The supply chain is interrupted. Yeah, <laughs> Christmas is just a state of being in the world. That's all you have to do. Nothing is going to disrupt that. Christmas is going to be disrupted. You know, the supply chain. Idiocy. Idiocy because we're trying to. What's the terms we like to use? manage control supervise delegate i love regulate. these terms. regulate <laughs> yeah. instigate okay let's get the fuck out of here keep doing it what you gonna get mm -hmm. they have learned nothing from the pandemic zero nada slipper they've learned nothing the pandemic was an opportunity to learn from the story. Learn from the story. There's a story here. There's a story. It's giving you consciousness. The sun comes out. There's a story. It helps you see all the dark places you have built around you. Look, see. What are they doing now? When you want to travel, they're jacking you for PCR tests. They want to see that you're vaccinated, but they also want to jack you for a PCR test. So England's jacking you. The US is jacking you. Italy will jack you. Turkey will jack you. Any country you go to is going to jack you for it. Okay, so what did you learn from the story? Oh, how to make more money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, because of the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Pathetic. Truly pathetic truly disruptive and pathetic and what that does is that makes um that makes our existence more problematic 
on this planet. It just makes it more problematic because now we are not learning from the interaction with this planet that we needed to learn. The planet's teaching us, the cosmos is teaching us all the time. Lesson after lesson after lesson. You don't need a graduate school. You don't need a PhD. You don't need a doctorate. The cosmos is teaching you every single freaking day. Have you learned anything yet? Have you? Oh, I just want to get over this goddamn pandemic. Nope. Not today. Didn't learn anything. <laughs> Have you learned something? Nope. What about from yesterday? Nope. It's the story. There's this great story. There's this great story about what happened when this this bug that nobody can see appeared. There's a great story here. Nobody wants to see it. They're terrified of it. This is such a bad story. This is terrible. And therefore, you can't grow. You can't move forward. You're stuck in the past. I just want it to go away. But <laughs> that's not how the cosmos works. No. <laughs> it's here. I don't want it to go away. <laughs> oh, oh. This is... Uh, um, we all have choices. <laughs> yes. We all make choices. Yes. Yes, absolutely we do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely we do. <laughs> Absolutely we do, but we have to remember at the beginning of our story of the girl who was faster than horses. Okay, so humans are not faster than horses. Dead giveaway from the title. Non-human. Dumbasses, nobody gets it. But anyway, this is not towards our audience, by the way. I want to be clear. I'm not calling you. I'm just saying in general, anyway, <laughs> stay away from that term. There was once a girl who was of no father begun and of given birth by no mother born. And that's how the story starts. And that was the story of COVID-19. Of there was once a girl who was of no father begotten and given birth by no mother born. <clears throat> That's the story. But who wants to listen to that story? That's a scary story. That's scary. Well, we'll just regulate and make. And we and chased we'll it. Safe. Did, we, did we not chase it? Didn't we chase it like these these guys on horses? Didn't we chase it? Yes. We chased it. We chased mm. it. Oh, the pandemic! The pandemic! The pandemic! We chased it. We made it grow. Pandemic! 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 Instead of saying this is the story, 
we need to live by the new story. Have we learned to live by the new story? There won't be a disruption in the supply chain. Disruption. <laughs> All right. With that, we want to wish all you guys a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. And we will be back with another story <laughs> next week as the IFC returns for um, Mary Louise's from Franz's archetypal symbols and fairy tales. I am Dr. Lahab El Samurai. With me, Dr. Lisa Hong, you want to say something, Lisa? You want to? Happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays, happy lunar eclipse. <laughs> Dr. Eric, would you like to say something to our listeners? Certainly. Uh, just a, a pleasure to have you listening and thinking about this. Hi, Don and Joan. And I am not afraid. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. We are not afraid, and we are the Institute for Conflict. And this is the IFC's Individuation Podcast, and we will be back next week. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Eric, Lisa, and Dr. El Samurai. We'd also like to thank Eric and Lisa for taking the time to join us. You can also find us on YouTube at the Institute for Conflict. Tuning in next time to the IFC's Individuation Podcast for another episode soon.